Welcome to the podcast Appetite for Life with me, Karen Kelly, keeping the spiel real as we discuss today's habitual lifestyle with various topics, the occasional guest, women in business and fun, interesting chat. Whether you're a stay-at-home parent, work from home, have a sleepy commute to the office or flying high around the globe, there's something for everyone and anything goes, but keep it clean. It's just everyday life and how we fill it, so tune in and pump up the volume. It's good to talk with an appetite for life. So we're joined again by the gorgeous Catherine Jane Massey, otherwise known as Kat. So welcome back. Oh, hi, Karen. How are you? Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about showing my vulnerability around my mental illness. And it's going to be a great episode today because society has really improved, hasn't it, enormously with the acceptance and open-mindedness to, to mental health. And as you've mentioned previously, your journey from childhood to adulthood was like no other and clearly where maybe your personal struggle first began. So can we go back then to your childhood and talk us through what life was like for you back then, Kat? Yeah, to be honest, Karen, as a child, I didn't know any different. I thought it was every, it was the normal. Yeah, I thought that every mum went into hospital. I thought that every child had different dads and different men coming in. And I thought everyone grew up with life-size dolls in their living room it's really sad when you look back like that isn't it but you look back now I mean I know we're we're smiling about it but yeah I suppose you would at that age you wouldn't think any different it's just the norm for you that was your life yeah it was just it was just normal and um and don't get me wrong when I look back my mom suffered really severely with her mental um illness which is now called bipolar but back then it was called manic depression yeah and yeah I didn't know I didn't know any any different even going to school because anybody that suffers with their mental health is very good at wearing a mask yeah definitely yeah embarrassed about it yeah so when you get dropped off at school or anything no one would know you know that's why I always say you never know what goes on behind closed doors because no one would would ever know and it wasn't it wasn't spoke about it just no. it was only when I got a little bit older I started to hear things like whispering you know oh that's 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 the kid with the crazy mum things yeah. like that but again that was normal because that was this the stigma of, around it and it was just like oh have I is my mum crazy is my you know because that I didn't know any different I didn't know not to call it that because when you look at the word, Karen, mental, what do you instantly think? You think madness, don't you? Yeah. So in my world now, I'd love that name to change. I really would because I just yeah. don't, um, even though it's all talked about, but the actual name has just been so many years talked about madness and, and all sorts, hasn't it? That no, That's why no one really actually knows. And it always starts, you know, from, from childhood, doesn't it? And the thing is as well, when people are saying, oh, she's the one with a crazy mum, Crazy can mean fun mum, you know, flamboyant mum, great, great company. You wouldn't always think crazy was related to mental, would you? People call me crazy. I mean, I think I am, you know, but all sorts of issues going on, I think we all have. But (laughs) do you know what I mean? We're all crazy. We're all good fun. And that's how you may have seen it when you were younger and heard that word. Yeah. And anybody that didn't know my my mum, that they they would think that, you know, they would you know she she used to have the nickname called the match because she was this slim lady with bright red hair yeah and very 
you know, very out there with her clothes, with her dress sense. She used to make her own clothes, you know. She'd go to a charity shop and get clothes, but then she'd tear them to bits and make her own outfit. Make something new, wow. And, and make me an outfit and, and matching, matching stuff to go with that. So, you know, she was very, very clever when yeah. I look back now, but I didn't understand that then. She was yeah. very, and I think that's the borderline with, you know, as they say, as Einstein says, craziness is the borderline of genius. And I really don't think that's understood. You know, my mum was upcycling and doing stuff before it got trendy like it is now. She was, yeah. that was already her mindset, but nobody picked up on that. Nobody helped. When she needed it most, yeah. I remember watching a film yeah. about um, bipolar and, and manic depressives, and it was with Richard Gere film. I can't remember what it's called, and it was a real eye-opener eye to how, how their moods were. So as a child, you might remember, you know, real lows and then real highs. Yeah, that's where the name manic comes in, isn't it? You know, yeah. you, you, I, I got to know the pattern. So if my mum had made me five dresses and was in a good mood and thingy, I knew she was on this she was absolute high. She was manic. Yeah, yeah she was manic. Yeah. But with every high, there comes a low. And when you suffer with your mental illness, it's not just, oh, I'm having a down day. It's a real low, low time to, to the fact, you know, where I knew if she took herself off into we called it like the special front room. We weren't really allowed in there, but she took herself off into there and had a sleep. Yeah, we didn't know what we might find when we opened the door after that. Yeah, so that, but as a child, that when going back to obviously looking at it through a child's eyes, that was my normal. Yeah. I didn't know that there was any other difference until probably, I'd say it was about 10. Even going through primary school, I didn't, it just was, um, it was just normal because obviously I had brothers and sisters and they, you know, there was little things said in the background. I was always like a little bit protected because I was the youngest. So I was always like a little bit protective of what was being spoken about. But when you get to obviously the, a certain age, you start to realise what's right from wrong, don't you? But you don't, you don't understand that as a child. And um, when I started to be old enough to go into friends houses that I'd made in school I realized that they had um, a mum and dad in the same house and they had a dado rail and not oh. big murals <laughs> on the wall <laughs> so it was just like okay I am different what I've got behind closed doors is very different to the circle of friends every friend that I had had a mum and dad yeah. had a mum and dad that went to work and I'd go so how often does your mum go to hospital and they'd go well she's she's not ill why would she go to hospital so I started to yeah started to question things but as a child then back obviously 70s early 80s you when you question things you're told to be quiet you go to your room so it's you know nothing really got it was all whispered or everything under the rug even though you were witnessing all all this stuff it wasn't talked about so the norm for me okay we hide this stuff then and that's what I did and, mm -hmm. and for me I used to write notes it's funny because obviously if you've listened to Karen's first podcast with me on I said about blogging and I didn't know what blogging was but even as an early child I was writing stuff down yeah, yeah. but I wasn't <laughs> showing it to anyone no. I was folding it into little tiny little parcels taking the carpet up and popping it into the floorboards into the cracks in the floorboards 
just my emotions because I didn't have a diary. I didn't know how to do stuff like that. So yeah, so for me to have that outlet, I just used to write it down and then, and then hope that someone would find my words. Did you ever say what happened to those words then? Did you dig them back up again as such from the floorboards or, or not? What happened to those? No, and I know the lady that lives in my childhood house. Oh. which is an I know which is another story um I don't know whether you, you would you like me to tell that story yes definitely yeah. keep okay. going <laughs> well that, this is a this is a this is like a leap forward so I'm back in the I'm back in the salon now I mean my lady Jane's Jane salon a lady walks into um a walk-in as we call them she wants a haircut I had time I popped it in my chair as, as I do, you know, with anybody that's listening who's a hairdresser, you, you're kind of a therapist in itself and you get chatting. Yeah. People oh, like tell yeah. you everything, don't they? Yeah, it's, and it's definitely cheaper than a therapist, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, um, and people open up to you, don't they? So I got chatting, and her name was Karen. Um, great name. And she, and, um, yeah, great name. <laughs> and we got chatting, and obviously it's you're giving people eye contact, but through a mirror because I'm cutting the hair. So yeah. I'm, you know, picture picture the scenario. I'm talking to Karen through the mirror. Oh, hi, Karen, are you local? Thanks for coming um, into my salon today. It's lovely to meet you. And she goes, Oh yeah, I'm only up the road, but I'm 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 new. I've only just moved into to the house. And I said, Oh, I'm a local girl as well. Um, I've been local here um, all my life, really. And she, and I said, Oh, where do you live? And she obviously said the street she lived in and I said oh my god small world I lived in that street too and she goes yeah I've just moved into number 55 and I went oh my god <laughs> that's my childhood house I was like how oh weird goodness. and she was like you are joking and I said no so then obviously we've not covered this yet Karen so so then she went on to talk about how when she moved into the house she had to call the police Oh, because no. she went into the attic and when she went into the attic not the dolls the dolls were there. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were they were wrapped in bin bags so you can imagine life-size dolls wrapped in bin bags but you can imagine someone's who's going up to the attic to put their stuff they've just moved in they're going to put all they see is a body, body. don't they oh my in goodness body yeah touch them shit there's a head there's legs right we need to call you know we need to call the police um so, <laughs> so oh she's my god that's another book like, isn't it that's <laughs> another book cat <laughs> oh and um yeah i got a call off um my lovely auntie um she's not an auntie you know one of those ladies yeah yeah who's always her auntie. she lives five doors down she still lives five doors down from where i grew up and she said, you need to drive past your childhood home. And when I drove past my childhood home, one of the dolls was in the window with her hand up, you know, like waving. And my whole childhood just flashed before me. Oh, my goodness. Was, so, so this new lady that, was, that you spoke to, she's put it in yeah. the window. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because obviously then it was like, you know, CSI went in type of thing, you know, checking out. We've got a full family of bodies in the attic. <gasps> um, <laughs> but then obviously it turned out. And then I got offered these dolls. But at the time, no, I no, weren't no, ready. Thanks. No, no, no. So they obviously, obviously went to the skip. But looking back now, obviously because I wrote a book on this, it's just like wouldn't it have been lovely to have them to show people? But I didn't. I wasn't ready. Yeah. Do you have any pictures of the dolls at all? No, no, nothing. I suppose back then no. you wouldn't have done, would you? No, there is, there is pictures. Um, there is pictures, but I didn't. 
um, have a relationship with my mum for 13 years after having my children. Unfortunately, my mum has passed now. So, um, yeah, so I don't have any, any, anything from my childhood. Anything. No. no. So going back to these little notes and in the floorboards, are you still in contact with this lady then? Yeah, she's a really yes. close friend now. We go to oh. the theatre together and, and she comes around to my home and, and we just feel like we've got that connection. connection. I don't know why. Yes. Yeah, from, from doing the hair to her living. We were brought together. I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm your woo friend. So, yeah. you know, I believe in, in crystals and, um, you know, the universe and all that. And, and anybody that comes into my life, it's either to teach me a lesson or, or, or we're going to do something together. We're going to work together or we're going to do something. And Karen's come into my life as a blessing. And um, ask yourself, Karen. <laughs> of course, and, of course. And I did ask her because <laughs> this is Karen's family home. And she's yeah. got a beautiful family home. So what she's creating for her family, I don't want anything that happened behind my childhood and, and the closed doors of 55 to ever affect what's going on in, in, in her the, life. In yeah. the present time. Yeah. yeah. But as we got to know each other, I did ask, I said, could you go and check? And rip all your floorboards up, please. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't and there? She was like, no, they weren't there. Oh my gosh. They weren't there. No. Do you think maybe your mum knew they were there? Do you think your yeah. mum may have taken them up? Yeah. Yeah, right. they'd gone. Yeah, they'd gone. Um, so yeah, I do think, I do think that that yeah, my obviously my mum still lived there when when I left home. So yes, so she could have had new carpet and see. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know the story behind behind them. But um, I do say in my book that you know nobody ever found my words. So that's why I wrote a book so people could actually find my words. And has Karen read your book? Yeah, she's yeah, so that must be beautiful, beautiful, Karen, now that she lives in your home and she knows the past history. And that's only yeah. one family. There would have been other families in that house before you. So people can't yeah. always, you know, dwell on things as yeah. such. But that must be beautiful, her. That's a lovely connection for both of you. Really lovely. It is. And she didn't actually actually allowed me to have my press photos there. Oh, um, lovely. So, and she didn't have to, um, because obviously that's where she lives. Um, but she allowed, but I, once I opened that gate, this is before, obviously the PR was done leading up to the book. So when I had um, my photographs done, I opened the gate. And if you've read my book, you'll know that the gate. I have, yeah, yeah. And the gate still squeaks. Now, I, I hadn't been to that house for 13 years. So when I opened that gate and it squeaked, I... I just Took lost it. I, yeah, I yeah. lost it, and Karen's like, "Oh, come in and have a." And then she could see me crying, and I was like, "I didn't even make it into the garden." So we had some photographs in the garden quickly, but I just absolutely because I hadn't put that to bed, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't that I hadn't had that closure, and um, yeah. So and then when Karen read my book, and she and she goes, "Oh my God, I know why you broke down now." Yeah, the gate still squeaks, and then yeah, yeah, it was a it was a funny, funny day. Actually. Real surreal funny moment, day. really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So let's go back then. So we were talking about your childhood and when sort of issues for you first started. At what age then? I know we talked you around about 10, weren't you? But I was going to say, what age did you realise that maybe this wasn't the normal upbringing for a child? And, and how, how did this affect you? Were we a bit older than that when you yeah, really sunk I was, in? I was, a lot of things happened before 10, obviously. But when you start knowing what is right and wrong, was from them. As soon as yeah. I started spending more time with, you know, children of of my age, that's when I started, and that's when I met um, my 
husband who, Craig. who was my Craig yeah <laughs> who was my uh, childhood sweetheart so we um, we met and he had that he had a private house with a gravel drive and pampas grass I always remember the pampas grass I, I know that's a little What's bit of a thing now but I don't know what pampas, pampas grass is. What's pampas grass? You? you mean turf, like, like fresh turf? No, no pampas <laughs> grass is like a big, like exotic plant with like feathers. But if you've got, I've learned in later life, you can go and Google this, but if you've got pampas grass, it's it's like um, an invitation to swingers. I really? know. That's, a, that's another podcast in itself, Karen. <laughs> wow. So are you saying that yeah. Craig's, are you saying that they were swingers then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean I was like why did they have they had this massive podcast and we always laugh about this and massive podcast, podcast, <laughs> podcast on mine, campus grass, campus oh. grass. Um, so yeah they so when I went to Craig's and, and the first time I, I went in his house and you know my my feet sunk into the carpet mm-hmm. it was so thick and I remember it doesn't feel like mine because mine's like bare yeah and it and it didn't smell like my house didn't smell of that stale um tobacco smell and and his mum was baking and she had a pinny on and and it was just warm and straight away I was just like oh this this is home and this is what it feels like and and don't get me wrong I did have that with my grandma and I used to go and stay at my grandma when my mum would go into hospital because my dad worked full-time so my mum would spend six eight weeks in hospital and I would go down to Wilkshire and so I did have don't get me wrong I did have that that lovely time of knowing what family life could be like yeah Um, but when I met Craig yeah it was when I met Craig really but the first day he said to me well I'll walk you home I was like oh god no i remember this from the book so i know what's coming but keep going it's lovely i'm so glad i've read the book before we've done this so i was just like well he can't walk me home because he want nothing to do with me because remember i'm having those like little sneaky conversations behind me back now you know saying that i'm with this mad woman and all of a sudden i'm thinking am i and i'm just going oh my god you know and so i thought i've got to hide i've got to hide where i really live and lucky for me my sister was renting a house in the next street and he walked me to that house oh bless um, you. So a, how old were you then how old were you then were you in your teens then 11 11 so that's 11. A, a little brain to be thinking like that isn't it really my daughter's 11 if i think like yeah. that now for her that's it's really sad isn't it it's really sad for you then yeah and it's sad when I look back that I had to hide it, but that it was the day. And, you know, I, I would never, obviously, every, you know, a lot of more people do talk about talk about it now. And I'm a mental health advocate because of, yeah. because of this. But, yeah, it, at the time, the best thing that I thought was to hide who I really was from him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I because totally I, get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, when I was a child, I remember different slightly different circumstances single parent family and I had a friend who had the the dad living at home and everything and they had a similar house to us and their cupboard in the kitchen was really neat and tidy and it had the food in it and the coats were hung in really really tidy and ours was just disgusting it was a junk cupboard and it's funny how my little brain worked because when my when that girl would come round, I would take her coat and pretend to hang it up in that cupboard so we could be like her because I was too ashamed yeah. to show what was really in it. I know it's it's a bit different, but I too you I do get it. You want to fit in, don't yeah. you? You really want to it's fit had, in yeah. at that age. 
yeah and and then you know if you do research mental health and everything you know from the age of seven that's when your path is like mapped out and that's when you want to start fitting in so for the from the age of seven till 41 i tried to fit tried in. to fit in and, yeah yeah everywhere and it's only now that i obviously i've, I've, I've opened mm-hmm. up about everything and talked about everything that not even my husband knew obviously um, my husband's not even read my book um my children have so yeah um it, it was like it was it's funny, isn't it, when you start to get comfortable in your own skin and, and you give yourself permission that you then are able to talk about what should have been talked about as a child. And that's why I'm so passionate that now there is programmes going into schools yeah. and um, and people are acknowledging um, mental health because it really, you know, it's, it's great being treated as an adult and it's great yeah. having the help, but it needs to be done before that. The world is definitely changing for the better, thank goodness. Yeah, so, okay, let's let's go back then. So, growing up, what issues did you face during the transition then from childhood to adult? You know, to adulthood, whether it was going through secondary school, you know, socialising with other families, work. How did that? You know, how did that affect you? In in what way, Karen? In what in in a yeah maybe was it what did you compare yourself still or as you kind of got to you know mid-teens or late teens were you more excited of what happened you needed to get out yeah yeah. I needed yeah I needed that that was that was my only thought I just I don't I used to look at other people and like you said compare and I knew that if I was going to have a different life for myself if I was going to make a life for myself or I'm gonna go down the same path um because i know it's not very nice for for some people to hear but when you grow up with a parent parents who suffer with um mental health it's not a matter of when it's a matter of if it's sorry it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when When, you are going to get a mental illness yourself so i suffer with with a mental illness called chem and that's called childhood emotional maltreatment um, and that does um, affect you in all different ways, like with your confidence. So someone looking in now and I'm doing this podcast with you, they can think, oh, really confident. And, uh, you know, oh, God, you've got your own businesses and you've done that and thingy. But just look at all I, I, I say celebrities and it shouldn't be celebrities because obviously mental health affects us all. But because yeah. they're in the public eye, the people that smile the most, the people that help the most usually are suffering the most. Yeah, that is just an example. You know, look at the beautiful Caroline Flack. That's just obviously not long. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah. So going back to, I used to compare myself all the time, and I knew that I wanted to better myself. I only understand going back. I only understand now how clever my mum was, and how if someone was just there giving the right help to her, that she she could have had her own business. Yeah, and she, she would have been a much better person to be around for you as well, wouldn't she? Yeah, she could she she could have had her own upcycling business. She could have had her own antiques business. She was a massive, you know, garden. She was just absolutely fantastic at an, an artist. She was absolutely brilliant. So I just feel that I I was a child, so I wasn't the the right person to help her. I tried the best that I could but for my own mental health I had to take that step back because I'd obviously brought children into the world and um, to be the best mum and the best version of myself I had to 
back away from that side that side of things which is quite hard for some people to stomach because that is your mum and you only get one mum and the amount of times I've heard that and I get that I get that and mm. and I had to grieve a mother for 13 years and then she passed and then I had to grieve her again yeah so it's not that I didn't grieve her it's not that I just thought oh god you know just walk away it's not been easy at all no. it's not been easy but I wasn't strong enough I wasn't yeah. strong enough to look after her and um, yeah. I had to look after myself to be a good mum so yeah I've, I've always compared myself but I knew I needed to get out and I, the only way I knew to do that was to earn money so from a young age I started cleaning horses out as a stable girl and what have you and then I I think illegally I worked in a clothes shop in Chester I don't think you can do that at 14 but I did <laughs> I think I was going but, into pubs know, when I was 14 doesn't that was yeah. illegal as well <laughs> no, just did what different about then right? different about then yeah coming home and I did 12 pounds from like nine o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night is proper child labor but I thought I was like rich until my mum took half off me oh, <laughs> no. but you love that though getting out of the house and socializing with other people and you know I mean you're great yeah. with people you would have been seeing clients seeing customers it must have been brilliant for you at that age pretending pretending, pretending to be a grown-up yeah fantastic yeah. no I'm pretending that when you go that you know oh yeah yeah everything's okay uh, yeah, you, yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean you put that Ask them, don't you? That yeah, yeah, God, God, yeah, I've got a great life. Because people so, yeah, would look very... at you. Because pe people do judge a book by its cover. They can't help themselves. We what? still do it today. We can't help it. So they would just obviously, yeah, think bubbly, attractive looking. They would think a completely different world, wouldn't they? That you lived in. Yeah, yeah. People are, and I've been, and I've been judged all, all my life from from child, and I'm still judged now. And um, but I got, I've got to a point in my life that I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's age and maturity yeah. where you just think, oh, I haven't got, I haven't got the time to give it my energy. I, I've got to a stage where I, d I don't know who's with me, who's by my side, who's got my back. And at the end of the day, I've just got to be me and the right people will um, stay. You know, you've just got to be your authentic self. And yeah. it's took me a long time to find that and to be okay that I'm not fitting into them boxes that everybody wanted me to fit into. And it's funny, isn't it? I think go back to when, you know, I know I'm I think I'm slightly older than you but childhood for us was different back then and yeah. going through school and maybe college or you know future plans you had to fit into those tick boxes didn't you it was completely yeah. different and if you did it yeah. it was like what, what are you going to do then or you know what I mean you couldn't think outside the box the same I don't think back then no I did I did have bit I met um a drama teacher in school and she became like a little bit like my savior because I felt like I could be myself with her because we were doing drama yeah. so you can be a character and I felt like and she just picked up that I was really good at pretending <laughs> because that's what <laughs> I was used to it yeah yeah I was used to it so she was just like and then she took me under her wing and, and I just thought, you know what, I could do this. Why can't I be an actress? Why can't I? And this is it. This, this is my thing. I'm going to, this is what's going to make me. And this is what's going to, you know, get me out and, and get me a life. And um, yeah, she took me under my wing. I got my first act, acting job. But back then you needed a thing called an equity card. I remember it. Yeah. And um, also like an agent type of thing. And obviously we didn't have 
the money for that. Um, even when I obviously approached my mum and my dad about that, we just didn't have the money. So my friend came along and said, there's an apprenticeship going. I was 15 at the time, there's an apprenticeship going in a local salon to be a hairdresser. And I just was like, well, yeah, if I can't do that, then I still, I know I've got to earn money, so I'll have to do that. So that went back, you know, that, that big dream got put back into that box because it just wasn't it was out of reach for me so what was that first acting role what was it it was um an acting role in children's world on itv so that could have possibly led to something quite big for you couldn't it yeah yeah but as soon as you get so far you you do need that um that insurance because you're under a certain age and you need that age and equity equity card i don't really know that much about it because obviously i was a child but i just know that 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 came to a standstill because of that but it's never too late cat and you can do no. anything the world is your oyster i can just see it now holby city anything the world is your oyster the next james bond model in there yeah. anything yeah i well i it's funny because my my book will be going to the stage um it's it's called page to stage um and it's funny because like i've been asked do i want to play myself and no i don't no um so it's isn't it funny how you do change i don't think i'm ready for that yet no no because it's all different stages isn't it so yeah yeah, definitely so we are going to be talking about cat's book which is living with dolls in our next episode really cover it in great detail so you're not going to miss out so we are going to come back to the book aren't we because it's absolutely brilliant so what's wonderful you don't hear this story very often but you married your childhood sweetheart craig that you met when you were about 11 and that's just wonderful he must he must have been your total rock throughout all of this and I suppose growing up, you probably spent a lot of time with his family as well, did you? Yeah. Don't tell him that, though, will you? Like <laughs> I won't tell him. Don't I like him, promise you know. I won't tell him. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, you, you, you meet someone at the age of 11 and, you know, and I learned what love was. And people might look at that and go, and I had it. Don't get me wrong. You don't know what love is how do you know you love him? And I was like, well, I've never felt like this before. So is this love? I'm getting butterflies in my tummy and I want to be with him. And, and you know, all that scenario. So I, I am a big believer in love at first sight because it literally was, we were playing, um, I think it was it netball or basketball. I can't remember, but anyway, the, the ball hit my head. <laughs> Everyone laughed because they shouted my surname, which was quite an unusual surname at the time. And that was it. Me and Craig clipped eye contact. And um, I was just like, oh, my God, he's different. I, he had long hair. He was just, I don't know, he was just really different. And he was, um, you know, I, I, I know it's quite deep to say, but he was the love that saved me because yeah. if it wasn't That's for lovely. him and his family treating me as their daughter and having that outlet yeah where would where would I be today I don't know and aside from everything else it's just a beautiful love story and not many people can say that they married their childhood sweetheart they can't and I think it's beautiful yeah and, and don't get me wrong it's a work in progress oh, well, any marriage anything is four years <laughs> it's still a bloody work in progress I'll tell you that <laughs> But we've grown through the different stages together. So obviously we was a child and then we had to, we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. It was just like, you know, eye contact and all that. And then you become obviously boyfriend and girlfriend. And then obviously you split up, don't you? We split up yeah. for 18 months because, you know, you have to explore different explore. avenues. Yeah. You go into that, but <laughs> yeah, you have to explore these things, don't you? As with everybody. So, and then, you know, if you, what do they, what's the saying? If you let them go and if they come back, then you know. 
and that is exactly what happened um, we weren't together for 18 months and he pulled up outside the back of my mum's with music blasting from East 17 with the song Stay Another Day. Oh, <laughs> great song. So, it's the keeper song. for definite. It's a keeper. Definitely. Yeah, and that is our actual engagement song. So we got back together, we quickly got engaged and by 18 we were very excited to be taking out our very first loan and in our first home. So yeah, so it, it is. And then obviously we started a family at the age of 20. So, and yeah, we're still together now. And, and like you said, but we've been, people always say, how do you make a marriage last that long? I don't know. It goes so it's fast not, though, doesn't it, time? It just yeah. flies by. And you think, oh my yeah. goodness, where's that gone? And it's, I think it's going through the different stages, going through this and just growing up, just basically growing up. You know, we went through all that jealousy stage where, you know, are you looking at her? Yeah. Are you looking at him? You know, everyone goes through that, don't they? And now it's yeah. just like, oh, look, look where you bloody want. If you go, you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can't be bothered. Yeah, I totally get it. No, it's lovely. It's yeah. really beautiful. Okay, my last question is, um, at what age do you think that, right, okay, this is me. I accept my childhood experience. And if my vulnerability shines through, then so be it. I'm going to share it with the world. When did you yeah, think, you, you know, 41? So can I just ask, how old are you now, Kat? I'm going to be 45. 45, so only recently then, yeah. Yeah. But it's a massive, yeah, so a massive experience that you've had from a childhood then. Yeah, and, and don't get, we used to talk about little things, you know, like, because obviously having my children, I've wanted to shield them and wrap them in cotton wool, and I wanted them to have the complete opposite upbringing to what I had, whether rightfully or wrongly. I don't know. You know, I've not brought them up as spoiled brats by any stretch of the imagination, but they have had a privileged upbringing. Yeah. And um, and I've worked bloody hard for that. But they're not they're not spoiled. They're, they're great. They're great kids. But I've wanted to shield them because that's all I've ever done is protect them. So sure. when they got to a certain age, and I got to a certain age, that I knew that they would be okay and they would be okay to cope with maybe me being comfortable enough to speak about mental health and that was literally 41 41 and that's sad isn't it that it's took well, no, that long it, it's not sad it wouldn't matter if it was 51 61 71 it's when you're comfortable because yeah. i think if anybody with a mental health issue would still to a certain extent maybe hide some of it because we're probably yeah. still ashamed aren't they to fully let themselves go but what I think is fantastic is that you don't hold back and I think it really encourages others to think oh, maybe I should maybe I should share this little bit because there's there's things and thoughts that people have that they'll probably you know way too afraid to to share with everybody else yeah I shared like earlier to that I did share like little I get involved in little charity things because they resonated with me but I wouldn't actually I'd go oh yeah it resonates with me but then I wouldn't actually tell them why it would I just yes. was like oh it's something I want to help you with and, and children's charities that there'd be children's charities and I got involved with this one children's charity and I was lucky enough I'd say lucky enough it's it's a bit surreal really I went to the house of commons anyway to do a, to do a tour and I actually said in my talk that you know i it's not it wasn't to get into the house of commons but it was to get the message out there that that was probably the first time that my husband had actually because he videoed it he was actually the first time that he'd he'd gone okay where's all this coming from because it was yeah. just like verbal diarrhea coming out of my mouth and I was just like yeah. oh my god 
Release, wasn't it? Release. Yeah, release. And then that's when it started. And obviously when I started to blog and write things down, because that's where the honest blogger come from, you know, completely raw and real and uncomfortable for some people to read. I get that. Not everybody. My blogs aren't going to be for everybody. And I get that. And that's totally fine. But as soon as I started to do that, I knew then that I was creating impact and I knew then that I was helping people and that is what I was here for. And, and that is, I sat down and I thought, bloody hell, you know, that's what it's always been about. Yeah. But just wasn't ready. Yeah. I just wasn't ready. And, yeah. and I am now. Well, I think it, it's a really great story. Your book's absolutely fabulous. I really uh, thank you today for talking about this subject because I know it's a really delicate subject, mental health, and uh, obviously with it affecting everyone in different ways. And I know in our next episode, we'll probably touch on it a little bit more. We're going to be talking about your book, Living with Dolls. So if anyone has any questions or maybe they want to contact you, maybe they've been through a similar experience or they want to read your blogs, just let us know how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, it's um, so I've got a website and it's called um, www.catherinemassey.co.uk. It'll take you to my blog site and, and to my book site. But there is a form on there as well, which will take you straight through to my emails. But I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm, so you can get, you know, you can get in touch with me any, any of those ways. And I'm happy to chat to anybody. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you very much for this episode. And I look forward to speaking to you on the next oh. one, which is talking all about living with dolls. Thanks, Karen. You've been listening to An Appetite for Life with me, Karen Kelly, sponsored by Dane Bank Dental Practice, where happiness starts with a smile. If you have anything you wish to bring to my attention or discuss on this podcast, then please get in touch. You can email me, Kelly at btinternet.com. It's good to talk with an appetite for life.